Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. At the week, I take notice of it because I have a cousin called Jackie. She's a month older than me, and uh, she's uh, special to me because I never really um, grew up with my cousins. We grew up in a children's home. Uh, Shane, Mark and myself in North London, Enfield Town. And Jackie, she went to America where, after she was born. And so she grew up without her cousins. So and she's an only child. So since my dad passed away, we've been corresponding occasionally, birthdays, Christmas. And, um, and I like it. You know, so I often think about her when it's Thanksgiving because she's celebrating. Um, I also, on social media, I know a few people around the world, whether they're Filipino or Pakistani, and some of them send me happy Thanksgiving messages. And this week I got quite a few of them. And I was going to write to them and say, I'm not an American, right? <laughs> but they like doing it. They just seem to adopt this American sort of, and, and, and Filipinos, because there's a lot of American influence in Philippines. And, and I listen to the prayers of various Filipinos, particularly Chirina, Noel and Chirina, when I come out of hospital, it was November the 4th, 2009, after the accident. And for her, she had a celebration for me in the youth centre. And it was Thanksgiving for my life. God allowed me to live in spite of her horrendous accident. So, you know, the English people, I say English people, English Christians, we don't, have this thing called thanksgiving and we forget to give thanks to god for all that he's done for us it's it's a strange i have to say this i did not understand the concept of thanksgiving but we should all celebrate it we should all be thankful for the small mercies god has been very kind to us and the i mean we, I like to think that we're all saved. I like to think it. May not all of us be born again here today. But, hold on Dave, we should be thankful and give God the, the glory, even for our salvation. Thank you, Lord. You know, David. Yeah, yeah. What's that? We have Harvest Festival. Okay. There we go. Thanks, Dave. Well, I mean, there's a lot we could talk about, and we got 36 minutes. As Christians, Dave's right, 
because he mentioned that in Harvest Festival, it's a time which reflects some of the festivals of the Old Testament that we, you know, some churches do this. They have a Harvest Festival and everybody in the congregation brings something to the church. And I'm going to say this, as a young boy at John F. Kennedy School, Roman Catholic School, we used to bring something in, like a tin of baked beans, tin of um, Campbell's soup. Maybe you did it at your school, I don't know. But I remember doing it, and, and I remember we did these uh, hampers and gave these food out to poor people. We used to, years, Dominic will tell you, Jubilee Church, for about 10 years, if not more, didn't we, Dom? We used to spend a few hundred quid out of the church collection, and we used to go to the supermarket with a couple of trolleys, and we used to get 12 ampers together, you know, like whatever, jam, marmalade, tomato ketchup, nice things, ham, fill up two shopping trolleys, go back to Dom's mum and dad's house, and we used to wrap them up. Do you remember? And one lady came for a while, Jackie Barnes, and she knew how to wrap something up. And each box cost about 25 quid each to put together, but she made them look like a million dollars, you know, with the wrapping and everything. It was fantastic. And then we would select a few people that we knew that were on the poverty line and take them a Christmas hamper from the church. And they loved it. They loved it. I could talk more about this, but I'm not going to do it now because it will swallow up the time. So Thanksgiving in America, how did it originate? Well, I've been looking into it. And, you know, many Americans today would tell you the same story. However, however, there's a dark side to it quite a dark side, which made my hair stand up on end last night when I was sort of looking at it. You know, the, the good side is this. You know, there was this group called the Pilgrim Fathers, right? Sounds all wonderful. They did not have any peace in this country back in the 17th century. Now, in those days, this is important for us to learn our history, Christian history. In those days, I'm going back three, four hundred years ago, there were three types of churches, right? Nowadays, there's hundreds, hundreds. But in those days, and it's important that the hundreds of churches today should look back to three, four hundred years ago, when John Bunyan was here writing the Pilgrim's Progress. You had the Roman Catholic Church, you had the Church of England, and then you had another group. Who's that other group? The Nonconformists. And who do I like to model our church on today? The Nonconformists. You see, the Pilgrim Fathers were a group of Christians that were part of the Anglican Church. And more and more, 
and more, this group were looking at the, the leadership of the church, the Church of England, and they're saying, you too, Catholic. You too. And when I say you too, you, the Roman Catholic Church is one of the, the three that I'm talking about. And this Church of England were predominantly very much siding with the Catholic Church. And this group called the Non-Conformists, they didn't like it. They wanted to worship God in spirit and in truth, in the right way. And so they were kind of like elbowed out, really. And this happened through the 17th century, as in 1620. Anyway, this group, some say that they went from here to Holland. And in Holland, there was a bit of liberty for what we call the reformed nonconformist Christians. And apparently, so I heard, that some of them went to Holland and weren't satisfied. They came back here. Or, in fact, they didn't come back here. Some of them, this is on a ship called the Mayflower that left Southampton, I believe it was Southampton, went to Holland and then went from Holland to the Americas. And they were meant to land in a certain place. And obviously the captain, maybe it was foggy or something like that, but they went further up the coast and they landed in a place round Massachusetts. You know Boston? You know that part of America? Up there. And so <coughs> apparently there were 102 of them. And the first winter that they were in this neck of the woods, the easiest way for me to put it, half of them died. It was a terrible time. One person died on the journey, but half of them <coughs> died when they went ashore and they discovered they were in a, the wrong place. There were native Indians. Well, these native Indians, some of them indigenous people, they weren't happy to share their part of the land with a bunch of pilgrims. And I have to say this, I don't think that all of those pilgrims were actually born again. Because some unpleasant things happened. You know, the indigenous people ended up having a treaty with these pilgrims about the land. Because they'd already moved time and time again from the other settlers that had settled in America before these pilgrim fathers went there. There were quite a lot of people that had gone there. Spanish people, French people. They were looking for a, a new way to start their lives all over again. This was, America is called, or known as, Paul might tell you, <coughs> the land of the free. That's what some of the people like to say about America. The land of the free. Anyway, but I could talk all day about some of the things I discovered what happened at, when this happened with the Pilgrim Fathers. I'm going to tell you. That there, after the first winter, which was harsh, you know, it took them two months to get to America, and they weren't really dressed for it. This morning we come into this hall and Margie's saying, John, it's cold. We get the heating on, you know, and we got our coats and jackets on. 
But over there, they weren't really dressed for the winter. And that first winter, half of them died. The following spring, however, they say that these people had done their planting and planting corn. They had a great harvest. This is what we're told. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that everything looks rosy. But this, the second or the first year they were there, they had this harvest. It was a wonderful harvest. And because the 51 of them survived, they had this dinner that they call, not Harvest Festival, Thanksgiving. This is a story we're told. But if you research, you'll find it's a bit different. It's not so hunky-dory. You know, they had hardships. I'm not going to disagree with that. They had many hardships. They lost half of their, you can imagine. Poor Joey's family's lost a, a niece. He's lost a niece and Arnold's lost a daughter and they're upset. So this group of people lost half of their group that went over there, gone. So it's not easy. However, I read a passage I read this passage, and it's worthy of our attention. <clears throat> and I think, if we could get to a level of Christian commitment on this sort of par, God will show favour on you. The prophet Habakkuk, I'll read the words again. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labour of the olive fall. The field shall yield no meat, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And, and it goes on, and I will make, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he shall make me to walk upon mine high places. He's saying, look, look, if I've got nothing, if everything in my life falls apart, if there's no job, if there's no, nothing in the pantry, nothing in the fridge, nothing, yet I will praise God. You know, every one of us has got something. Every one of us got a roof over our head. We're happy, aren't we? None of us are living in a cardboard box down at Waterloo Station. You know, they used to call it Cardboard City, didn't they, David? You know? And I remember down there, all the homeless had their cardboard boxes and they would sleep in the cardboard boxes. Well, none of us have got that. So we're thankful. But this prophet is saying, if there was nothing, if there was no harvest, no wages, yet will I praise God. That's not easy to do, is it? It's not easy. But yet, he has vowed to give thanks to God. And that's thanksgiving. That is thanksgiving. I, I, I think I'm reminded, and Dominic might be able to educate us, Dom, George Muller. You know there was a famous 
account where they had no food. George Muller ran a, an, an orphanage in Bristol. There was no food on the table, yet they sat around the, t the table and gave thanks. You know that? And somebody knocked at the door, didn't they? You know who it was? It was a man driving a van full of cereals. Yeah, you know breakfast cereals. Is that right, Dom? I yeah. think it's true, isn't it? Yet they sat at the table. There was nothing on the table and they still gave thanks. Isn't that incredible? And the cereal van broke down outside. They had cereals for dinner. How wonderful. Can we do that? Of course we can. Thank you, Liam. But the prophet is saying he loved God enough to give thanks even though there'd be nothing. You know, that's not easy to thank God even when times are difficult. So let's consider, you know, this, this what he said. <clears throat> you know, when provision of God changes, be thankful. He is, God is unchanged. Whether we got blessing or not, you know, the prophet, is, let's go back to the verse, verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labour of the olive shall not fail, or shall fail, sorry, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. <clears throat> Over the last year, it's been a year or so since October, we've had a tough time in this country. You know, when Liz Truss became the Prime Minister and Quasi Quartain, her, her treasurer, suddenly everything went pear-shaped, didn't it? I didn't hear anybody say, praise the Lord. I didn't hear anyone say, let's give thanks to the Lord. The mortgage has gone up £2,000 a month. That's, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. But that's kind of what happened. But the prophet here is envisioning losing things as vital to his relationship with the Lord. You know, he said... The fig tree will not blossom. No fruit on the vines. Olive trees not producing olives. And the fields giving no harvest where they can make bread. And the cattle and the sheep are lost. Yet, he says he's going to be thankful. It takes a spiritual man, doesn't it, to get to that place. I don't think anyone's going to come in here one Sunday and say, John, I've lost my job. Praise the Lord. The only person I know that would say that is Paul Rumney, when we ended up not working for the workstation anymore. <laughs> that right, Paul? <laughs> but you know what, right? The truth of the matter is, whatever we've been through, Paul, this is two years ago now, and yet we're still here. We're, you know, I've got like, a new top, two new tops on, you know. It, it hasn't rocked our boat. Yes, hallelujah. 
you know, we, Mayette and I drove down past Heathrow Airport on the way back, sitting in traffic. Paul, we sat in the traffic for an hour and a half at Heathrow. I said to Mayette, Paul and I were doing this every week, going to Southampton. And, you know, we could have had an accident at any time on that motorway and ended up in the hospital bed for, for terrible times. Economic conditions change. When Liz Truss became Prime Minister, I just mentioned her, it changed everything. I don't have a mortgage, but some people that do, you know, they, it doubled their mortgage overnight. They've been struggling. Well, I say this to you, nothing new under the sun. When jo Joseph was in Egypt and Pharaoh had a dream and there were the seven lean cows and the seven fat cows, you know the story in Genesis, the, the Pharaoh had a dream and seven fat cows came out of the river Nile and followed by seven thin cows and it, no one could interpret the dream apart from Joseph, the man of God. And he said, the seven fat cows are seven good years. We're going to have harvest in abundance. And the seven thin cows are seven lean years. We're going to have nothing. So because Joseph was God's man for the day, for the hour, he became prime minister and he, he managed all the corn in Egypt. So times changed in Egypt. But God provided the right man for the right job to sustain all the people, didn't he? What about the time of Job? Job was a wealthy man and he lost everything. God maintained, well, he lost his health, but God sustained him. And this country, and I've said already, I mentioned her twice, Liz, Liz Trust, etc., but this country has been through two world wars. We, some of us weren't born, Margie, right? In a, a time of the Second World War to see the breakup of the British Empire because we couldn't sustain it anymore. So, but that must have been a really troubled time for Great Britain after the Second World War to think, how can we rebuild ourselves? How can we get this economy back on track? You know, there was a time when people lived with rations. You probably had a jar of marmalade that had to last six months. Yeah, I've heard these things. <coughs> but any one of us, and I say this, I've been sick all week. I had a week off to enjoy a holiday in Bournemouth, and I've had sciatica. If I was working, I'm glad I had the week off. So if I was working, I'd be, oh, Mayette was putting up with me moaning and groaning. <laughs> but that could happen to any one of us. Some of you got bills to pay. Well, we've all got bills to pay. Some of you got mortgages to pay. But if you suddenly you, you put your disc out and you, you can't go to work for a month, stressful, isn't it? But the prophet is saying... If he's in the situation, yet will I praise the Lord. This is an act of real worship. 
because you're putting God first. You're putting God before your home, before your, your, your shopping, before the bills. Put God first. Worship God first. So any one of us could suffer loss, loss of health, loss of wealth. But the scripture says this, Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not. The same God that looked after Job in spite of his suffering is the same God that we worship. And Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today as he is forever. This is the Lord who we serve. Nothing is too hard for him. Let's move on to verse 18. And we're reminded what he said. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. The truth of the matter is, we are never far away from problems in this life. None of us. If we took the time to sit and listen to each other about our hardships, our difficulties, I bet we would be surprised what our brother or sister would say to us. Huh? We think maybe it's only us, only me, that have gone through hardships. Does it? We're never a far away, Dave, from problems in this life. Everything around us. I mean, I've seen Paul. Paul's got a nickname. Did you know that? Do you know what his nickname is? Gorilla Grip. That's what his nickname is. He's got strong arms. He, he could, you know, you heard of mole grips. You heard of mole grips. It's a spanner that you get every... David, you've got a mole grips in your tool bag, haven't you? Paul doesn't have any in his tool bag because he's got that gorilla grip. He don't need them, isn't that right, Paul? <laughs> However, Mr. Gorilla Grip, I've seen him like a little old granny in pain. Oh, oh, haven't I, Paul? It's true. So, Nothing is certain, Paul, is it? You know, we, as much as Paul is called Gorilla Grip, he is fragile, right? I've seen him back, he's back, John, I can't work, mate. <laughs> we are fragile, whether we're called Mr. Muscles or whatever, and life can be uncertain. In fact, I say it can be, it will be. For example, for example, many of us have been watching the news, reading the newspapers. On October 7th, Hamas, the terrorist of, of um, Palestine, Gaza. Thank you, Dom. <laughs> what did they do? They, they went into the Palestine or Israel, yeah, and they, they took 250 hostages thereabouts. Killed 1,400 people, etc. 
You know, those people got up that morning for breakfast. A lot of people went to a music festival, rock festival, celebrating festivals and music. They never went home. Some people only just come out after 50 days in, in, in um, kidnap. You know, I don't know what happened to them in that time, but nothing is stable, nothing is certain. Uncertainty can happen at any moment for anyone. We just in Great Britain, they living in Israel. You know, I saw in the paper the other day, fascinating story. Blokes gone to work in Reading, builders, up on the new building site, 16 floors up. There's a fire on site, a big burning bonfire. And there's this guy thinking, I'm going to be burnt alive here. You know, he went to work that morning to earn his wages to pay his bills. Probably said goodbye to his missus and children. I said, I'll see you at five o'clock, love. Well, five o'clock, he was down in the hospital with smoke inhalation because the, the fire was raging. And, and I don't know if you saw the picture, but the, um, he, he got his eyes off, I think, and he was waving it around in the air saying, look, I'm going to burn... I'm going to be like a burnt chicken if someone don't help me. The crane driver was up in his crane, saw him, and manoeuvred the, the crane buggy over to where he was, and he, he jumped in, and the crane driver got him away like a, an action film from Hollywood. Well, that doesn't happen to all of us every day, but it could. You don't know. You go to work, working at the hospital. You don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know. What about this story? Last weekend, four boys, four boys between the age of 16 and 18, got in their mate's car and said, let's go camping, because he probably just passed his driving test. Got his fiesta, said, come on, let's go for it. One of them didn't even tell his mum. He'd gone out with his mates for a few days. They stayed at Grandad's house one night and they were going to go sleep in a tent. They didn't come home. They didn't come home. You know, Joey, his niece, she's passed away. We just don't know, Joey. We just don't know what's going to happen. But these things happen. And we, we kind of hope it don't happen to us. The mums of those boys, we can imagine, they probably haven't stopped crying since. You know what I mean? They're dreaming and thinking of the birthdays that they celebrated, the holidays that they've been on. You know, that is life. That is reality, isn't it? <clears throat> the wonderful thing that we have some of us, not all of us, but some of us, salvation is available. If you're a Christian, God is there for you. And if you're not a Christian, you can say, Lord, please, please, make me a Christian that I might know you, that I might be saved by you. Because, can you read John 3.16, please? All right? You know, 
before Liam is going to read John 3.16, it's important to know this, people. Salvation offers eternal life. We must never forget that. Because I'm telling you, the reality of the main news in my heart, as I was going through this, these things, the hostages, the building site in Reading, the four boys died. Do we want to go through life without being saved? No. What's it say, Liam? Okay. And Dominic, what are you going to read? Yeah. Uh, um, I John uh, 1, John 5, 11 to 13. Uh, and, and this is the record that God uh, has given us unto eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. And that he that not, uh, that not, uh, doesn't have life. These things have a written unto you that, that, um, that if you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And John 5:24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Very important to be saved. And, you know, if we're a Christian and we're saved, we are not limited to these few years of tears. Because Nika said of Brother Joey, he was crying yesterday because of the hurt in his family. He doesn't want to see his brother suffering the loss of his children. Joey's got Jezreel and Jephro to consider. It's tough. And this life on earth is years of tears. And how many tears do we shed over our lifetime? You know, when I worked with Paul, it was a, a very precious time. Because he just lost his mum and I just lost my dad. And we were going to work. Sometimes we were crying together. You know, we shed tears. The prophet is saying, yet will I praise the Lord. Yet will I praise the Lord. And when God sees that act of worship, I tell you what, nothing will move him more. When you're broken, when everything's falling apart, yet will I praise the Lord. That stirs up God more than anything. Because you or honouring him in spite of everything that you... You might even idolise all these things. God says he won't have no idols before him. Life on this earth is short. We, we Daddy Bob's going to be 90. Paul's dad's 90. My Uncle Jack in America, he's going to be 90 as well. But even 90 years, it's nothing in comparison to everlasting life, is it? It isn't. We have heaven to look forward to, John 14. Let's read it. It says, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there ye may be also. What a wonderful words from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful words. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And listen to this. Our dear friend Peter puts it in these words. Peter says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to, wait, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then listen to this verse. He's begotten us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. What a wonderful thing. That something, something, an inheritance, we like inheritances, don't we? Well, <laughs> we do. I'm grateful what my dad has left us. The scripture, Peter is saying that we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, it is reserved in heaven for you. Doesn't that excite you? It does me. Let me move on very quickly. I've got four more minutes and much to say. When passing through trials, we can triumph in Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, Psalm 21, verse 1, I love it. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? <coughs> the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If I could read all that psalm, he talking about being a soldier and going into battle and saying, though 10,000 fall beside my, fall by my side, will I, I'm paraphrasing now, but will I be afraid? No. No. Not if God is on your side. Dave tells me often, with God on our side, we can defeat an army. We can rise up against, let an army rise up against us. Am I going to be worried? You know, I was thinking about going on one of these marches in London, these pro-Palestinian type marches. I was thinking of going and saying, what sort of right have you got to come and protest? I'm thinking they're going to all rise up against me. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? No one. No one. Isaiah said, Isaiah says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Do you get weary? Do you faint when things are all against you? Do you worry? Oh, Mayette's been telling me about worry. We shouldn't be worrying. Be anxious for nothing. 
affects your health. You might get sciatica. <laughs> the scripture says, Paul says, now Paul was a man that suffered. He suffered tremendously. Night and day. How many times I don't know unless I read the scriptures. But he got, he got beaten. He got shipwrecked many times. <coughs> you think he'd give up? You think he'd give up being a missionary for Jesus? No. No. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's fantastic. Do you want strength to get through the day? Call on the name of the Lord. Do you want, do you want God to supply all your needs? Call on the name of the Lord. The, the, the Habakkuk said that God shall make his feet like hind's feet. You know, hind's feet, it's like a, 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 a gazelle that will skip through the jungle and the, the, the prairies of Africa, trying to dodge the lions. He will make him to walk in high places. How am I thinking about this? Will God make us to walk through high places? What does that mean? Will God make my feet, even though I'm crippled, to have hinds feet? Well, I guess, I guess that when I go to heaven, I will jump around like a, a gazelle in the jungle and I will be in high places. <clears throat> the prophet, Jeremiah, he reveals to us that God is always up to the occasion. That's what he says. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's a wonderful thing. Our God is the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for him? Nah. No. No. I think, I think Angel Gabriel said this to Mary when she contemplated having her baby as a virgin. Is anything too hard for God? Margie, I think you told us you're 84, is that correct? Nearly 85. Do you know what I want to tell you? Shall I tell you something? Sarah, that's the wife of Abraham, they didn't have any children. Do you know that? But they wanted a child. And do you know what? When she was 90, 90, he was 99, she was 90, she conceived. Happy days. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's true. I'm going to read it, not now, but we'll have a little study together. I'll read the story to you. They was longing for a son, a son of promise. Isaac, his name was. 
And she was 90, he was 99. They knew that their body was packing up. But God is the God of the impossibility. That is the point. He can do anything he wants to do. How wonderful is that? You could be getting married in a year or two and something could be happening. Yeah. <laughs> and Yam will be the midwife. <laughs> Listen, we have to give glory to God. Because when you think you're, you're past it, not with God. God can do what he wants. I'm going to close now, but 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. In everything give thanks. That's where thanksgiving be, begins. So we don't have to wait till November 23rd or 28th, whenever, because it changes, I think, every year. Every week, every day, in everything, give thanks. Whether you're struggling, whether you're blessed or struggling, just do it. Because God will honour you in spite of the problems, in spite of the difficulties, God will give you the thumbs up and bless you. I kid you not. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we're just so happy to discover new things and to examine old things and, and to see what truth lies in these things. Lord, we all, I've, I've gone over weeks and weeks of of struggle and pain and sorrow and, and difficulty. But we're all overcomers, Lord, with you on our side. Whatever the adversity, we can rise up and overcome. And we're just so grateful, Lord, that you are the light of our salvation. Lord, we praise thy name today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for everything we have. Amen. Let's join Michael. And Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.